greatly to be praised. One more time. Hello, how are you? My name is Paul. If I haven't met you, I would love to do so. Please feel free to introduce yourselves to me after the service. Uh, We're going to get started this morning by doing a little demonstration of one of the themes that we're talking about this morning. So in order to do this demonstration, I actually need a volunteer from the congregation. So a very brave volunteer to do as yet unspecified task. So who's, uh, who's my volunteer here? Right there. Come on up. Let's give it a... Right, come on up here. Remind me your name. Michael, Michael that's right. I've, we've met before. Thank you, Michael. All right, so your job, Michael, is to demonstrate gentleness to us by catching this egg. Okay, so you're going to move back a little bit. All right, I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to toss you this egg, and you're going to show us what it means to be gentle. You got it? I think so. You think Michael's up for this? Yeah? All right, here we go. Here's gentleness. Nicely done. It's a wooden egg. I wouldn't risk an egg. I'm too afraid of our worship ministry to risk uh, cracking an egg on their stage. So we saw two things here, actually. Michael demonstrated gentleness to us. And what you felt towards me when I threw it really high, that was outrage. (laughs) Now, these are two ways of reacting to another person. Gentleness and outrage. Gentleness is the approach you take when you don't want to do harm. You want to be careful. You want to avoid breaking something. Outrage is the approach that you take when you feel like harm has already been done and you have a desire to do it in return. One of these is more common in our culture. Which one do you think it is? Outrage. People have said that we live in a culture of outrage. Gone are the days where you just disagree with somebody and have a civil conversation about different viewpoints. We now are convinced that every issue has to be defended with full passion and we have to destroy the arguments of people who think other than us. Ed Stetzer has written a book called Christians in the Age of Outrage where he tries to help Jesus followers think about how do we respond to others when outrage is so quickly what we get in response. The Harvard Business School actually has a whole section of publications which deals with outrage culture. And in the past two days, here are some headlines that I found. Homeless Haven sparks outrage. Amnesty International stirs outrage. Florida state attorney says this should outrage everyone. And the last one, where is the national outrage over Uvalde? It seems as if the only response we're supposed to have when anything happens is to be outraged at it. Our culture is consumed 
by that idea. Why are we so easily outraged? Well, this morning, we're not talking about outrage. We're in the middle of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at these nine characteristics that the Apostle Paul says occur naturally when someone walks by the Spirit of God. This is what happens in their life. We've looked at um, seven of them already. Today is the eighth, and we'll finish up this series next week. Let's go back to that verse and just read it to, to refresh our memories on what these are. This is Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This morning, we're talking about gentleness. When was the last time you had a gentle disagreement with someone? When was the last time somebody just out of the blue treated you with gentleness? When was the last time you saw a post on social media that you would describe as gentle? Don't we need gentleness? Aren't we craving this? Aren't we desperate for somebody to just see us for who we are and treat us with gentleness? And yet I think in a sense we're afraid of gentleness because we're such a productivity-based culture. We're so geared on getting things done, on making sure that things happen a certain way, on making sure that the things that I think are correct are propagated throughout the world, that we, we can't handle gentleness. It doesn't work. If we're gentle, then things won't go our way. And yet Jesus comes to us and says, I am gentle and lowly. How do we walk in his shoes? This morning, we're going to talk about three different questions. First, we're going to try to get a little deeper at the idea of gentleness. Try to understand what it actually is. And then we're going to reflect on why it comes so difficulty. It's come so, it becomes so difficult for us to be gentle. Why do we have a hard time with it? And finally, we're going to land on the question we've been asking throughout this series how does walking by the Spirit grow gentleness within us? How does that work? Well, we're going to start by defining what we're talking about. What is gentleness? The Greek word there used is the Greek word proutes. It's used 11 times in the New Testament, and it's related to an adjective, gentle, uh, that's also used another four times. So it's a fairly commonly used word in the New Testament. One of the interesting things about this word is that it often occurs in usage with pairs, this word with another word. So you often get things like uh, in 2 Corinthians, meekness and gentleness. In Ephesians 4, humility and gentleness. In 1 Peter 3, gentleness and respect. So it's a word that's related to other kinds of words that have similar but, but distinct ideas. Here's the definition of the Greek word. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Gentleness, 
humility, courtesy, considerateness, or meekness. Now, I want us to think about that definition for a minute because when I first think about being gentle, I think it mostly has to do with the way I treat you. And yet if you read this definition, it's focused on how I think about myself. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And somehow it seems that the way that I think about myself has a significant impact on the way that I treat you. Perhaps even that's the nature of gentleness and the relational aspect is an outpouring of it. So if that's true, then this um, experiment we did with the egg is not actually a perfect illustration of what we're talking about. Because when Michael was trying to catch this egg, he was worried, you, you saw it on his face, he was worried that the egg would break. He was convinced that this was a fragile egg and he didn't want to break it. But if gentleness for us has more to do with who we are, then when I'm being gentle with you, it's not so much that I'm worried about you breaking, it's that I'm convinced that I'm not going to break. It's not that I think you're fragile, it's that I know that I am not fragile. It's my sense of stability and groundedness that allows me to be gentle with you. Listen to what Proverbs says about gentleness. This is Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer, some translations say, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So let's think about that situation. You come to me with wrath. You're angry at me. You're outraged at me because of something I've done. How could you toss an egg on stage? Why would you do that? And you're furious about it. And, and the way I respond to you, it's not that I'm worried about breaking you. I'm not going to be fragile, be, be, be careful of you because I think you're fragile. It's that I'm actually okay with myself. I'm secure, I feel safe. And because of how I feel about myself, I'm able to be gentle with you. And that starts a cycle that turns away wrath. The Apostle Paul calls this bearing with one another. Listen to how he describes it elsewhere in Ephesians 4. This is verses one to two. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. There's that pair of words with patience, bearing with one another in love. Notice there's a lot of word overlap here with the fruit of the spirit passage. What gentleness looks like is to bear with one another. Bear with one another. And the more that I live, the more that I realize that the way I respond to other people has more to do with what's true of myself than what's true of the other people. See, over my life, I've, I have interactions with people and I, and I react to them and I start to notice patterns that I always seem to react the same way, that I always feel this 
in that kind of circumstance, that I have this underlying niggling suspicion that people feel a certain way about me. And then what they do just seems to confirm that. The truth is that the common denominator is not that everybody's treating me the same way. The common denominator is me. I'm wounded. I'm broken. I'm confused and insecure. There are patterns that I've built up in my life that mean that I interpret the world a certain way. It looks... If I look at the world and I say, everybody out there, you're all wearing blue shirts. Why is it that everybody in my life always wears blue shirts? And I walk around and I ask myself, why? I mean, did I not get a memo? Like, everybody always wears blue shirts. One of two things is true. Either all of you conspire to always wear blue shirts whenever you're in my presence, or maybe I've got glasses on that tint the world blue. If I always feel the same way, maybe the problem is within me, not from you. And if that's true, then if gentleness has more to do with how I think about myself than how you're treating me, then that leads to our second question. Why is it that I find gentleness to be so difficult? Why does it not come naturally? And the answer, I think, part of the answer is that if gentleness is knowing that I am not fragile, that I cannot be broken, I usually don't know that. Usually I feel fragile. I worry about being broken by the circumstances in my life. I feel unsafe or threatened or scared or insecure. Let's think about some of the particular times when, when some of us have a hard time being gentle. When I think that something needs to happen a certain way, and I'm convinced that this course of action is the course of action that must happen, and if we don't do this, then, then terrible things are going to happen, I find it very difficult to be gentle with other people in that kind of circumstance. When I feel threatened, when I think that you might be about to take something away from me or hurt me in some way or make me unsafe, when I find myself in that kind of a position, I want to defend myself and I find it very hard to be gentle. When I am sure, absolutely sure that I am right about a certain topic and you're not seeing it clearly, when I just know that there is no chance that my mind has construed things incorrectly, that I am absolutely right, it's hard for me to be gentle with you. And when I've been hurt, when I come to a situation where I'm grieving or in pain or I've suffered something, it's hard for me to be gentle with someone else. Let's think about a story. There's an Old Testament story that I think illustrates a lot of this. Many of you may be familiar with King David in the Old Testament. He was the king of Israel, uh, but he spent a long time becoming king. And there was a season of his life where he was running from the current king, whose name was Saul, 
And he was running around in the wilderness with a bunch of misfits that he'd gathered around himself. Let's pick this up. 1 Samuel 25. We're going to read just verses 1 and 2 to get the setting. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, when you shear your sheep in the Old Testament culture, it, it's occasion for a party. It's a community-based event. Everybody comes together. It's a festival. And it would be very common for the wealthy landowner of the area to just invite everybody around. So David's out in the wilderness with his men. Turns out he's actually helped protect some of this man Nabal's sheep. And so he sends a note and he says, hey, can we come celebrate with you? And Nabal says, no. It's a reasonable request, but Nabal says, no. Not only does he say no, he insults David. He says, I know about this thing between you and Saul, and you're the bad guy in this situation. You've betrayed Saul. So no way, I'm not inviting you to my party. And David gently replies, okay, Thanks for considering it. Right? Is that the story goes? No, I don't think that is how the story goes. Let's see. This is what David says. This is verse 13, 25 verse 13. David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. Do you get the idea that there's a lot of swords strapping on going in this passage? You don't strap on your sword to be gentle. David was triggered. And he straps on his sword to go destroy all of Nabal's family. That's outrage. That's what we're familiar with. And we know in our culture what it's like to strap on our swords. And I think maybe we relate to that moment. I think maybe we could find ourselves in that place with David when we're just doing something and, and maybe we make a request, maybe we, we do something a little bit vulnerable and the response we get isn't what we wanted. And so in turn, we strap on our swords and we go to destroy the situation. The story of David can help us remember what makes gentleness difficult. It's what's happening within ourselves. And so when we find ourselves in that place, rather than focusing on the other person or on the situation that we're facing, we can see it as an invitation to look inward. To look inward. Let's do that for David. What was David feeling in that moment? Outrage, yeah. But we find out earlier that, that his mentor, Samuel, had just died. He came from that funeral. We know that his father-in-law, the king, was hunting him down, trying to murder him. He's with a bunch of guys out in the wilderness. He's apart from his family. He's probably hungry. There's not a lot of food out there. He's lonely. He's tired. He feels vulnerable. 
and he sees this person who, who he thinks, oh, maybe, maybe I'll get some respite. Maybe, maybe we'll get to have a nice meal and, and celebrate and just have fun for a minute. But that's not what he gets. See, he finds himself in that place where he's particularly vulnerable. People in recovery ministry um, and addiction groups sometimes talk about the, the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. It's situations that make a relapse particularly uh, difficult to avoid, but the same is true for all of us of times when we find ourselves close to outrage. And that stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And when those things are true of us, we just find it harder to be gentle with others. We're not in the kind of emotional state that makes it easy to think well of ourselves and bear with another person. Gentleness is hard. It's difficult. There's so much going on within us. How could we possibly overcome all of that and be gentle with another person. That's when God steps in. See, we've seen a definition of gentleness that has to do with not thinking too highly of ourselves. We've talked about what makes gentleness difficult by recognizing that often it's when we find ourselves in a difficult kind of place. And now the question that we're really wondering is, how does walking by the Spirit grow gentleness within us. And I think at least two things happen when we try to walk by the Spirit. If you think about David, he was completely focused on himself. He was completely focused on his hurt, his hunger, his anger, his situation. But when we walk by the Spirit, our eyes are lifted off of what we're doing and they're lifted towards the Lord. We notice God. We notice that nothing on this earth happens just between me and you. There's always a third party involved. It's easy to forget that God's there. But in the moment where I'm tempted to be outraged, I see you and I see me. But what I need to do is to see God. And when my eyes are drawn up to God, then I learn a few things about who God is. That's the second thing that happens when we walk by the Spirit. We learn some truths about God that help us in the moment. Because if I'm tempted to be gentle when I am not doing well, what happens when I walk by the Spirit is that God steps in and he heals me. He cares for me. I'm actually able to experience his gentleness towards me. I become whole again, and I'm able to be gentle with someone else. Listen to how the author Dane Ortland describes this. He's speaking of God. He says, his anger requires provocation. His mercy is pent up, ready to gush forth. We tend to think, Divine anger is pent up, spring-loaded. Divine mercy is slow to build, but it's just the opposite. Divine mercy is ready to burst forth at the slightest prick. This is how God is to us. His anger comes slowly. His mercy is immediate. 
His gentleness is right there waiting for us to turn to him and receive it. It takes him a long time to get angry. And some of you have probably already observed that we're the exact opposite. We tend to be outraged quickly and it takes a lot. It takes a sermon to figure out how to be gentle. But I don't need to teach you how to be outraged. So what happens when we turn to God is we receive something from him. And that's what Abigail, Nabal's wife, did for David. She came to him and she reminded him of some things that helped him to turn to God and remember who he was. And this is great because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need other people in our lives to remind us of things. It's easy to forget. So Abigail comes and she gives this long speech. She mentions the Lord like 11 times and she over and over again reminds David of these things that are true. So I want to just draw out four points of things that she says as a way of seeing what she's doing. First one she says is, when the Lord has done all the good that he has spoken. See, she's reminding David that God has promised him something and God will deliver on that promise. When the Lord has done all that he has spoken. In, in the situation with Nabal, David, David is worried that things won't happen the way he wants them to happen. And Abigail says, don't worry. They're going to happen the way God wants them to happen. Then she says, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the care of the Lord. See, David feels threatened. He feels like Nabal's going to hurt him or take something from him. And Abigail says, don't be threatened. The Lord protects you. Your life is bound up in the care of the Lord. Then she says, the Lord will certainly make my Lord, that's David, a sure house. He feels wounded. He feels hurt. He feels like things aren't going his way. But she says, you'll be healed. You will be restored. The pain you're feeling now will not last forever. And finally, she says that you would have no cause for grief for my Lord working salvation for himself. She warns him against taking justice into his own hands. And she reminds him that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Then when you are convinced that an injustice has happened and it's up to you to make sure that justice is done, you can rest in the knowledge that God brings justice, not you or I. And so Abigail speaks to David. She reminds him of these things. And this is his response. 1 Samuel 25, verse 32, he says, uh, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. That's exactly what God did through Abigail. God met David where he was at, healed him, and then prepared him to be gentle towards Nabal. And so when we find ourselves in that spot where we are tempted towards outrage, the invitation for us is rather than to see the other person or the situation, but to remember the Lord. Remember the Lord in that moment. 
When we started talking about walking by the Spirit, I, I reminded us that the way walking works is that we take steps, and with every step, we're about to fall. I'm actually off balance, I'm going to fall, and then my foot catches me. I'm off balance, and my foot catches me. Now, this is my experience of walking by the Spirit. It's not as if I'm just gentle all the time, perfectly humble and gentle. What happens is that I'm walking and I face a situation and I think, I want to strap on my sword. I've been hurt. This one needs to happen. And I'm about to fall. But the Lord catches me. And I'm healed. And I can be gentle. And then a second later, it happens again. And I'm about to fall. But the Lord catches me. It's a daily kind of rhythm of depending in every moment on the Lord to be there for us, to heal us and care for us, to change us into the kinds of people that can be gentle. And that's how walking by the Spirit grows that gentleness within me because it changes how I see myself and allows me to be gentle towards you. So the goal for us then is not to try to be gentle try really hard to figure out the situation. The goal is simply to receive, to receive gentleness from the Lord and allow that to change us. We started off by thinking about this egg and Michael was good enough to come up and and catch this egg and he did a great job. And my, my hope in that demonstration was that all of you would identify with Michael, that you would be standing here with him thinking, what is Paul doing? Why are we throwing eggs? Is he going to catch it? Is it going to fall? Is he going to be embarrassed that, that your mind was with him? But I want to turn that around a little bit and suggest that you're not Michael in that scenario. You're the egg. And you're about to fall, but God catches you. God is gentle with you, protects you from being broken. And because of that, you're able to be gentle with others. I want to invite the band to come back up and we're going to continue in worship, praising God for what he does. But I also want to pray for us and not just generally, but I want to pray for how different ones of us might be struggling with different things. So I want to pray for some of us who feel like maybe we've been hurt by someone else who hasn't been gentle with us. And we're trying to reconcile that pain. We're trying to forgive and process through that. I want to pray specifically too for people who are having a hard time being gentle with another particular person. Maybe there's a relationship in your life where you feel like, I just, I don't know how to interact with this person and I need some wisdom. I need God to to care for me in that moment. And then there's other of us that might just be wrestling with our own sense of outrage outrage at what's happening in the world, outrage at what's happening in our lives or our families or our workplaces. And we need to figure out how to take that outrage to the Lord and let him dissipate it. So let's pray. Father, uh, we are so grateful for how you treat us. It's mind-boggling that you are gentle with us in all of our weakness and rebelliousness and stubbornness that you're not affected by that and that you're able to be gentle towards us. I think some of us are feeling hurt by a situation where another person hasn't been gentle towards us. 
and maybe we hoped for something we didn't receive or it's a long-standing pattern. God, I pray that you would heal us, that you would take our eyes off of the situation at hand and that you would heal our hearts, comfort us and renew us. God, some of us too might be struggling with how to be gentle to another person. Maybe there's a particular individual in our lives that we have a hard time figuring out how to relate to. I pray that you would speak to us in that moment, that you would encourage us, give us wisdom, give us peace, be gentle with us in our sense of failure in that so that we might be gentle in that relationship. And God, I think a lot of people are just feeling a strong sense of outrage at political issues or civil issues or things going on in their family or workplace. And we know that we might see things right, but, but, but the emotions don't feel like they're exactly in line with how you would respond. And so we're struggling to figure out how to get those in line with each other. And we, we pray for you to minister to us in that, that you would teach us to, to see clearly, not to water down our, our views, but to be gentle in communicating and to trust you ultimately for your sovereignty over the world. Thanks God, thanks God for loving us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.